Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1787. Here we go. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Spring City, Pennsylvania, with a very special guest by the name of Dave Morris. Hey, Dave, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, really good to have you here, too. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing most people may not know about you, Dave? You know, obviously, coming from the automotive industry, most people know me uh, around that stuff. But as a uh, uh, personal thing, I actually collect pop culture toys um, uh, from anything from antiques to as much as new designer type things. And uh, I've been doing that for years, something I did with my kids that we still enjoy to do, going to Comic Cons and things like that. And so that's what I do in in the spare, spare time whenever it exists. That's pretty cool. You know, I still have most of my toys from when I was a kid, especially, of course, my Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars. I can't get rid of those. My wife looks at me and goes, what are you going to do with all those things? I Well, maybe we'll have grandkids someday and I can share those with them. She goes, you won't let grandkids play with them. They're all in perfect condition. <laughs> so, but pop culture toy. So give me an example. Since I was born in the late 50s, what would be a pop, pop culture toy from the 60s? Barbie. <laughs> well, my sister had those. I didn't. But uh, yeah, Barbie. There you go. It's a, it's a massive collect, right? We don't collect the, the Barbie dolls and things like that. But from my childhood, definitely have a strong Star Wars and uh, other, you know, culturally, you know, Back to the Future and things like that that mm-hmm. were uh, relevant back then. But obviously, there's a lot of uh, different changes and different artists that exist today that can almost turn a lot of those uh, original designs up on their heads with all kinds of new content and artwork. So it's more of it's more or less the mismatches between stuff and taking the old comic book type stuff and looking at the new universes that have been created, you know. So yeah, something I do with my kids, enjoyed a lot. That sounds like fun. Now, there's a set of Lincoln logs in my son's closet that were my father's when he was a little boy that he gave to my son when he was born. My son's in his 20s now. Would that count? Lincoln logs? Uh, I think it, it's got relevance. If you, you know, Lincoln logs are collectible for sure. You know, in the box and still, you know, never opened and so on. Came in a tube. In the tube. Yeah. yeah. I still I still have my childhood Lincoln logs and uh, I, I don't think I'd give them up to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I kept them. Yeah. Might give them to my grandkids one day. There you go. Yeah, I've still got mine too. So very cool. Very fun hobby. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Dave Morris is chief merchandising officer at carparts.com. Carparts is a technology-driven e-commerce company improving the way drivers shop for the parts that they need. After being in business for over 20 years, they focused on streamlining their efforts to build a seamless factory-to-consumer online shopping experience. With over 25 years of automotive supply chain and merchandising experience, Dave is focused on continuing to improve and build carparts.com's company-owned brands as well as launching new relationships with global brand and manufacturing leaders, providing customers with the parts they need 
in the time they need them. In his spare time, Dave has restored over 40 cars and trucks. Holy cow. His most recent project, though, is a motorhome that he bought in 2020 to give he and his family the ability to go off-road and off the grid. That seems to be a trend. Maybe we'll touch on that today. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Dave, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. So give them a little love and a little listen. We'll be right back. Keep the seatbelts on. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylus solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I found a new way to protect my vehicle. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collectibles of automobilia and automotive collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool automotive collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting us automotive enthusiasts since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car and collectible insurance designed by collectors for collectors, just like you and me. All right, Dave, we're back. Now, as we continue on this journey, I'm going to call your life. I'd like to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the wheels spinning a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, so take the wheel. When you ask me this question, you know, I, I have multiple man- mantras that I work off every day, but w- one of the ones that's my favorite is fix the process and problems go away. Mm. So I'm a little opposite of your, maybe the r- normal people, maybe it's just how I'm wired, but every day I'm normally looking for what's broke and how do I fix it? So instead of sitting around all day, you know, praising all the great things we do, I'm the, I'm the guy in the back that goes, okay, let me find something else that I can improve. Just the way my brain's functioned is improving process constantly. So I'd say the uh, the number one that I live by definitely is fix the process and your problems go away. Well, considering what you do for a living, now I worked for 20 plus years in a company that started as a 
catalog business. And then this thing called the internet came along and we had to reinvent ourselves for a different way for people to buy. But we manufactured products. I traveled the world looking for products to bring into our warehouse to then ship to customers. We branded a lot of things from mostly from Europe and the United States. Yes, uh, you, what you do is near and dear to my my heart because making that process work and things are different now than they were back then and especially with the way you guys work. So let's talk a little bit more about carparts.com for those listeners that may not be aware of who you guys are. I think most people probably already do, but if they don't, tell us more about what you guys do, who you are, and why all of us petrol heads need to know about carparts.com. Sure. You know, when you, when you look at the, and I'll, and I'll stick to my, 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 uh, my mantra, the fix the process problems go away. When you look at carparts.com, we're very unique in the space, not only online, but in the, in the U.S. as far as distribution. And the reason why is we don't only sell parts. We also, from beginning to end, bring products from manufacturers that have just never been offered in the retail world unless you have to go out and shop. And the difference between us and many other companies is we're single source, meaning that that I do travel the world, work with manufacturers, and we self-produce through production lines and, and product lines directly with some of the best manufacturers and global brand leaders that I know of. We bring those products directly into our distribution centers throughout the U.S., and we serve them directly to our retail customers. You know, we're focused on trying to get the customer back on the road as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And one big difference in us and maybe every other competitor we have is we're full automotive. So if you're looking to buy, you know, Anything from brakes to to a wheel hub to, a, you know, a performance suspension. I'll also have the fenders, the hood, the bumper cover, the headlights from collision all the way through mechanical and all the way through performance. If you got it from carparts.com, it's a good likelihood it's going to come from one of our distribution centers and that those are direct relationships we have with the factories and the you know famous domestic brands so that we remove all of the middlemen in the supply chain and offer the best value by brand and product type that I think most consumers can get online. Wow. Oh, I'm just, <laughs> my head's spinning right now because I'm thinking of the SKUs that I used to have to deal with and all the moving parts of this thing. We also manufactured car care products, so we were bringing in chemicals and mixing them and making them into products, but also a lot of things for the garage, not particularly car parts. When you start getting into car parts and then you multiply all the numbers of cars, what kind of SKUs are we talking about here? Oh, it's it's millions, uh, you know, to offer <laughs> yeah. to offer the entire industry, you know, what they an assortment that's needed. It's it can be complicated because th- there's always the brand conversation. Right. Right. So when you you know, you're shot, there's two major reasons, I think, where, where uh, again, separates us. Number one, there's always the brand conversation. And then number two, it's how do people shop? So one thing we do is we're consumer focused. So we think more about the job than we do the part. Mm. Whereas, you know, you go to a lot of their websites, sir, you can find a part, you can find a description, you can find something. But the question is, when you're buying a control arm, who told you you needed the tie rod? Or maybe you should get the ball joint. Or, yeah. you know, maybe you should get a, you know, a knuckle, right? It, the, when you're online, that single skew position makes it daunted if you have a whole job to do. So where we focus is we focus on putting products together in, let's call them, I don't want to call it a service kit, but but in, in a complete job kit. So if you're going to replace your chassis, you can either buy a single control arm or you can buy an entire chassis kit. Now, what we do, I guess, is a little different than others too, is because we are single source stocking and because we get our inventory directly either A, from uh, you know a global brand or B, from the manufacturer itself and our own private label brands or our own house brands. Mm-hmm. 
we don't show you everything available in duplication. So for instance, if you were looking for a hub assembly and you want a premium hub assembly, I'm going to have the best premium brands available in the marketplace. If you're looking for all of the different you know, low price guys and all this thing, which there's all over the place, then to solve that is we have a premium value line to solve that conversation for the customer too. So if the customer is, is looking for a specific brand and a specific quality, we can answer that all the way then down to if there's more of a, a value position because we single source and we create our own brand to be complementary of the savings to the customer, but complementary from a premium type product, mm-hmm. we can offer the, let's say, the right part for the right job at the right time without all the noise and without all the education and everything you have to go through to try to find out, okay, do I trust this break? Mm. Well, here's the truth. Here's all the information out there you can find. And this is why we present these companies. This is why we stock these companies. This is why we distribute these companies. I guess a little bit different than your big marketplace type guys that just puke every type of part they can find, but they're not in the industry. They're not in the business and they're not presenting, you know, a really value to the customer that has to put this stuff on a car. We try to relate to the customer and, and do our best at providing them what through our own research and relationships and brands that we feel is, is a great option for them to get back on the road as fast as possible. And uh, not only from a value position, but also a high quality position. Sir, are you feeding parts to uh, do-it-yourselfers, direct-to-consumer, but also the professional market? Hey, all three. All three. We, we do, um, you know, we do sell from uh, all markets because we, again, because we have our own national distribution centers and, you know, from a local position to a national position, we have customers at almost every level. Our main focus is on our, you know, the, the retail DIY consumer that is nine times out of 10 looking to save a little money by going online. Also, obviously, as a DIY, they're wanting to save themselves, you know, financial burden of maybe doing, you know, having someone else do it. So when you're dealing with that type of customer, man, you really got to be spot on on the quality of product and the brands you're offering them because they don't want to do the job twice, just like your mechanic doesn't want to do the job twice. Yeah, it's like that days of going to Home Depot four times because you keep forgetting the other right part that you need to have. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another saying I've said for years too, and I've, I've never understood it, is, you know, I don't want to be the guy that sells brakes that make your car slow down slower. <laughs> and why would anyone want that? Right. I mean, yeah. you know, who, who would ever want that? So as as a company, we focus on putting the right brands as well as our own private label products in front of the consumer and we stick by it because we stock them because we have the direct relationship with the factories and the manufacturers we can go from beginning to end from warranty to to customer service all in-house from distribution all in-house we want to be the best customer experience possible and we think to get there the best way to do that is to control every level of the supply chain and that's our focus yeah very cool let's talk a little bit about the ev market because this is has been around for a little bit, but it's so new and it's coming on super strong. And there's a couple components in the EV market I wanted to touch on. One is uh, the increasingly important role of the automotive aftermarket to maintain and repair these EVs that are aging. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. You know, first of all, it, it, when you look at the difference between the EV vehicle and your traditional, you know, ICE or, you know, combustible engine a lot of your regular operating parts are the same. Brakes, the body, the suspension. It's when you get to the drivetrain that things start changing as far as what needs to be serviced. And we've already seen, I mean, ourselves, for instance, is we, we currently sell already in the marketplace recycled hybrid battery systems for like Priuses and things like that that have already gone through the life cycle of being recycled, remanufactured. And there's a market already to replace those in the uh, out in the market, right? Yeah. And 
the availability for DIY customers to get this product has been very hard because no one's it's been a, a DIFM or a shop business for, you know, for the last five to six years. And the inventories of the uh, most people haven't focused on getting the, you know, the late model products that are available for those and kind of positioned correctly. So I think that the challenges going into the future is really the uh, complexity of the part, as well as the vehicles in operation that allow the ability to offer a secondary market outside of the dealership model. As those vehicles grow more and more as far as across a combination of a a platform. So for instance, when you think about a a Prius, for instance, Mm -hmm. the Prius platform is multiple vehicles, right? It's got, you know, hybrid, it's got electric, right? It's got multiple different types of vehicles within its platform. What works better for the consumer actually is when you take something like a Toyota Corolla and make that electric because then all the parts can go through the entire platform from the Corolla combustible engine all the way down through the Corolla hybrid except or the Corolla EV let's call it which I'm not saying that exists I'm just saying if I was the challenge is as this goes on is manufacturers that are creating EVs under their platform so right. for instance you know like Cadillac taking their existing model and going, okay, here's our electric version or Jaguar doing the same. That's going to make it a lot better for consumers than manufacturers are saying, here's all I got for this platform, which is going to limit the ability for that consumer to find affordable parts in the future. So if, if I was buying right now today an EV, I would probably be looking at a platform EV so that the availability of parts are readily available for the entire platform. And I'm not stuck just in a electric vehicle supplier, you know? Right, exactly. What do you think these EV manufacturers need to do to demonstrate it to us consumers that we should adopt to this new platform? <sighs> I think demystify it, right? You yeah, hear electric yeah. and, you, and you get scared. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I have an electric car, so, you know, I was scared too. you know, I went through the whole, oh my gosh, I got a hundred miles left. I'm going to run out of ga- uh, electric. How, how do I figure that out? Right. So, so there's a fear factor of getting stuck. No one wants to get stuck. I think that first that the automotive industry needs to come to terms with a true charging system. You know, Tesla still has their connector and then, you know, the rest of the world has their connector and you can get an adapter that works right. You know, and I've had a few, I went from a hybrid, you know, that I bought years ago. I, I had a, a Chevy Volt, you know, and I, I got rid of that and then had a Tesla. And, you know, just going between the two vehicles and what I got that was the difference is the GM EV or hybrid. I got GM that came with it. Yep. And, you know, I got all of GM that came with it from service to understanding to the, the three-year uh, journey that I own that vehicle. Just the relationship with my dealership didn't change. And I think that the EV business has been a little bit segmented because you have these new people that have came in like Tesla or, or you know, and other companies that are kind of focused on an EV. And if you go outside of America and other parts of the country where, or other parts of the world where like China and so on, there's multiple manufacturers of EV vehicles, not just Tesla. And I think that we're going to, as an industry, they all have to get together and agree on certain things because you look, we can't have an, an Apple and an Android in an EV car. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, you know, well, I'm going to follow this process and this. I'm going to follow this standard. And over here, I'm going to follow this standard so that you buy a new charger every two years because it gets discontinued or it's changed. I don't want my car to be turning into my cell phone yeah. <laughs> where, where it's not compatible with other systems, because as, as we go down the road with EV, then everything else has to get better, too. Right. Your right. your. your the way the street talks to you, right? The technology we want to have with that EV electrical system in the future of, of talking to you and telling you how to take care of your vehicle. I think 
auto manufacturers need to educate consumers that just because they have an electric vehicle doesn't mean that it doesn't need maintained. Yeah. It still needs main, you know, and, and I, you know, I don't know the statistic today, but you know, it's tracked on a monthly basis as far as delayed maintenance. And I think people think they have an electric vehicle. So, oh, well, it's an electric motor. I'm fine. No, you still have a suspension. You still have brakes. You still have all these, you still have windshield wiper fluid. You still have a battery that has to get charged. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, my starting battery went bad on my electric car and I didn't even know it had one. And I'm an automotive <laughs> guy, you know? I mean, I'm being honest. I didn't, Why does it need like, a battery? The whole car is a battery. <laughs> exactly. I had to get a jump a jump started on my starting battery, not my actual driving battery. Right. I didn't even know I had one. So I think it's more of an education to say, look, it's your same car. It still does all this, but it doesn't use gas. It uses electric and it has a different electrical drive system. But the regular maintenance that you need to make sure your vehicle doesn't break still needs to be done. You know, you still need to have your fluids checked. You still need to have your brakes checked. You still need to have your suspension checked, you know, at certain intervals of miles to make sure you're not spending hundreds of thousands, you know, thousands of dollars fixing it because those types of repairs on an electric vehicle for some reason, you get charged a lot more money, even though it is the same type of job. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> interesting. Isn't that interesting? Well, and the other factor here are these rolling brownouts and blackouts in some states. We saw that happening in California. Okay, the power got turned off, and I can't drive my car now. Well, I yeah, could drive right. my gas car. I could just pour a can of gas into it. What's with that? So, yeah, there's a lot to be done here. Infrastructure, knowledge, uh, consumer education, all those things. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But it's coming on fast. I think it's going to come on faster. I think GM said that by 2035, they'll have a full electric fleet. Yep. Look, it needs, to, it needs to happen. But we also need to pay attention to what we're doing, right? Not, not go too fast to where 30 to 40 years from now, we create a new problem that is worse than the existing problem we have today. And we haven't really seen that yet with the recyclability of the components that are in electric cars, right? Exactly. And like I said, will there be enough power in the grid to power all these cars? Uh, <laughs> we just experienced some challenges in Texas yeah. with power. And yeah, you can't even, if you have an electric car, you can't charge it to get the heck out of Dodge if you need to. So, wow. You know what? There, there's not not to change your subject on, but mm-hmm. I think actually electric cars helps out. I mean, if, if you really went to an electric car grid and you lost electricity, well, so does the gas station, right? Without the gas station electricity, you can't get gas. And today's, you know, if you have um, a home charging unit or whatever, there's a lot of aftermarket home charging units from multiple companies. You know, we actually are going to be launching one later in this year with a famous brand that stores electricity at your house for further charges. Yeah. Perfect. So, you know, I think you can store a lot more electric than you can gas. Well, you're right. Exactly. Now, I keep gas on hand here uh, at my house because I have a generator in case I need it. So I have 10 gallons of fuel. So and I've I've had to uh, times that we've had problems. I've had to put that into the vehicle so I can get somewhere. But you're exactly right. Yeah. Lots of things to think about. Let's take a short break. We come back. I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests, a big challenge question. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, Smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from 
and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Join Linkage. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. And before I forget, when you go to subscribe, make sure you use the code CARSYEAH and they'll give you $10 off. That's the code CARSYEAH at LinkageMag.com. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. So Dave, I like to ask my guests about a big challenge they faced in their life, maybe even a big failure. And it's more about how you overcame it and what it taught you. So tell us how that experience in your life helped you gain even more positive momentum as you went forward. Okay, so I'm going to use your saying buckle up because it's a little bit of a, okay. a story. But, you know, I thought I'd, I'd start the challenge of how I started in this business. Okay. You know, I started the automotive industry at 24 years old, two kids out of college. Yes, I had them both during school. And I was trying to find something to do for a living. And my father-in-law was in the collision parts business and worked for Sherman Williams. And he introduced me to a parts distributor. And I met him and I made a deal with him. And uh, I opened up a territory uh, bought a 1979 Chevy van and delivered, you know, aftermarket body parts to body shops throughout mm -hmm. the state of Ohio, commission only. And that was my beginning. My biggest challenge was, okay, how do I sell enough body shops to earn enough money per week to feed my family? Right. Yeah. Wow. And that's, I mean, that's, that's how I started in this business. And when I look at that challenge back then to where that's, kind of driven my career of always being, no matter how big of a company I am, I'm still thinking like that small guy that has to feed the family this week. Um, I think that that overcoming that challenge back then has probably helped me drive my career to where even where I'm sitting today, I'm still thinking every single day, how do I feed the family? What can I do today to make it better for my customer as well as make it better for our company? So, Well, after hearing that, all I can say is you come a long way, baby. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. When you think about how you used to get parts and deliver them compared to how we're doing it today, pretty phenomenal. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just incredible. I, I live on a small, or in, a, in a neighborhood where I'm on a, a street with nine houses, a cul-de-sac, and I kid you not, I look out my window every day. I see at least four delivery vehicles come up my street alone, nine houses every day. Uh, yep. It's either a Prime or a FedEx or a USPS or a UPS. I mean, every day. And usually there's three Prime trucks, one in the morning, one midday, and one at night. And just amazing. I mean, just, yeah, things have changed a lot. Now, I mentioned in your intro, you've restored... Was it 40 vehicles? Would you share a story with us that instigated this passion you have with cars, that pivotal moment when you knew you were a car guy? You know, that's I, I, such a tough question, but the truth is, is high school probably. And it wasn't really I was a car guy. I was a car stereo guy. Hmm. 
Okay. I didn't care that much about the car, but I really cared about what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in high school in the 90s, so that was kind of a up and coming thing back then. You know, all of my, me and my buddies couldn't afford really the, uh, you know, the, 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 the driver. So we always had the working car, you know, I had a 1979 Chevette in high school. So <laughs> Chevette. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I used to call it the Brown bomber. Um, <laughs> uh, and it taught everybody in my entire high school how to drive shift. Uh, um, ah, so, cool. you know, so, I mean, it, 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 it look cheap, cheap car, but it did sound good. Because I could afford to yeah. put, you know. We all figured you know, out some way to buy a good stereo, didn't we? Exactly, you know. <laughs> and then when I got in the in the parts side of the business, I really got excited and really into the supply chain math and economics behind the entire industry. I became more excited or more intrigued about the manufacturing process and the quality process and how things were made and, and who makes what for who, rather than just the finished product of cars. Now, projects are different though. Um, because I spent, I'm kind of unique. I spent the first 15 years of my, or 13 years of my career in the collision business, then the last 12 years of my career in, in the mechanical parts business. Hmm. So I'm one of these rare guys that have been in both. And most of the, the rebuilding I did was when I was in the collision business, you know, I always had a ton of body shops that were friends and I would buy five or six, you know, wrecks a year that were, you know, totals. And I would always spread them out through a few body shop customers of mine that I would work something out for them to help me fix it. And when I first got in this business, believe it or not, I used to actually go in every weekend to a body shop and they would let me come in and work for free. I gave them a deal on some parts and they allowed me to use their shop to kind of learn my trade. Mm -hmm. Because when I first started, I was just selling parts, right? And, you know, the first few years that I started in this business, I actually put in multiple weekend hours figuring out how to hang fenders, how to paint a car, how to put a bumper on, you know, what, what's the difference between this type of chrome and that type of chrome, what's important, what's not important, right? And, you know, back then, I, I mean, I've rebuilt everything from a 2006 Dodge Viper Copperhead up to a SL 500 Mercedes to a, a Scion um, XB. <laughs> wow. Um, it just <laughs> it's an eclectic on, mix. Yes. Uh, just depending on what was available, what I had parts for, what I felt I could get accomplished, drive for a little bit. And then nine times out of 10, uh, those cars became good opportunities for family members and stuff that were looking to save a little bit of money. But right. I did that for quite a long time. Sounds like fun. You brought back a fun memory of my 67 Carmen Ghia, and I it had a compartment in the back of the back seat flipped down, and there was a space kind of hidden, and I built in using some at-home JBL speakers that I put back in there and then covered it up and punched some holes in it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, stereos back in the good old days. Now, this was in the oh, yeah. 70s, so uh, different time, but, yeah, big, giant box speakers meant for the house, but I put them in the back of my, <laughs> my car, so very cool. Well, let's talk about a special car. You've had so many in your life. Is there one in particular that stands out you could share a story about that ride? You know, probably that stands out the most. Yeah. You know what? I had a 1988 Beretta. Okay. So when me and my wife, um, you know, I've, I've been married for 30 years. We got married at 18 years old. My son's 29. I don't have to tell you the exact story, but at the end of the day, we've survived. Yeah. And our first car that we bought together was a, was a 1988 Beretta GT with 92,000 miles on it. Okay. And we had gone from my brown Chevette that I had owned through high school, and we graduated to this used car. And it was probably one of the most... Uh, a largest accomplishments I had had up to my life at the time, even though I bought a used car with 90,000 miles on it, 
it definitely got us through school. And, and I drove that car until I could see metal through the rubber tires before I could afford a new set of tires. And, yeah. and I could hear, you know, brake pads done to the metal on the rotor. <laughs> so I, I learned, I learned a little bit about it. It got my beginnings and my family through the, I've had multiple cars through the years, but as far as a car that made such a major impact, I'd say that. And then my 1979 Chevy van that started me in this career in the first place. Yeah. Probably the two biggest impacts. No kidding. And I think about that car. It was kind of a, a cool car because it two-door sport, kind of a sport coupe, right? If I remember the Chevrolet Beretta. It had a digital dash that never worked. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was on the same platform as the Corsica. The Corsica was its four four door brother, if you remember. Yeah, it was it was like GM's uh, attempt to try to kind of make a pony car again, but uh-huh. I don't know. But you know, it was it, it was a fun car to drive. It was uh, it definitely knew how to you know I, I learned how to use the uh, the emergency brake a few times when I shouldn't have. Um, you know, <laughs> it was, it, it's, yeah, uh, I drove that car until eventually it needed to be uh, retired. So no one drove that after me. You think about those cars; they were kind of in line with. The, uh, the Corsica, the Pontiac Tempest, I think there was a, the Skylark, yep. Pontiac Grand Am, the Sunbird, another Pontiac Cavalier. I mean, they're all kind of that same genre. It was an L-body platform for Chevrolet at that time. If I got my numbers or letters right, I should say. But yeah, interesting, interesting. I think you're the first one to mention that as a special vehicle. <laughs> Very cool. Here's a bit of an introspective question for you, Dave. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself, your life wrapped up into a vehicle. What would you be and why? I thought a lot about that, you know, what would I be? So, you, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty practical. Mm-hmm. I like to be fast, but I don't want to be too pretentious. So I couldn't see myself as a, a, an overly expensive luxury car an overly expensive, you know, sports car. I think if I was, if, if I was to give myself, I'm probably a Tesla X. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm electric, so you know I'm slightly sensible to today's world and and as far as the environment and what I'm wanting to do, but I can charge it. So it's a you know it's seat six, so I'm being practical. I can still sit and fit my family in there, even though they're all adults now. Yeah. You know, and and if I want to hit the gas, then you know I can get up and go if I want to. Uh, so I think that's about uh, that would be about perfectly me. Plus, it's not a terribly over the top um, SUV or or at least uh, a product in the marketplace. You you can buy a lot more expensive SUVs than that. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nicely said. Well thought through. All right, we're up to the uh, last lap. I like to call it kind of a lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Personal habit, probably stay connected. Mm. So one thing I've done in my entire career is I've tried to network and stay connected with people that do similar things to me, Mm -hmm. but not just automotive. Mm. So I have made networks with people that do anything from clothing to toys to food that I have been able to build through a network of, I'm going to call them peers and, and sometimes mentors that I think has helped me a lot think out of the box of traditional systems and supply. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of kept me looking at outside of the window always because it just might be some opportunity out the window that I can utilize within this industry, which tends to move very slow when it comes to change. Yeah. Oh, nice golden nugget you dropped on us there. That's a great idea. How about if I could arrange for you to enjoy a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or someone who's passed? Who would it be? You know, I got a good friend of mine. His name's Jim Shapiro. 
Uh, he was, uh, which if you know the automotive parts side of it, it was built by automotive reps, right? Repping agencies that went around selling everybody's parts to, to shops and mm-hmm. to, you know, warehouse distributors and so on. But anyway, uh, last year, Jimmy died of brain cancer. Oh, um, I'm sorry and to hear that. that it's, 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 it was a shame and, and it was a t- difficult time in the country and which means you, you know, you couldn't visit, you couldn't go to the uh, funeral, you yeah. couldn't. And so I missed that last drink. And this is somebody I probably met with on a, on a weekly basis in my normal job. So uh, if I was to be able to have the time to bring back somebody today to have a drink with, it would definitely be uh, Jim Shapiro. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, what's the best advice someone else ever gave you regarding automobiles? Service. Maintain them. Maintain them. Yeah. Maintain I, it's a pretty them. simple thing, but I'll tell you, I had a brother in the engine rebuilding business and he said, my business thrives because people don't service their cars. <laughs> they don't check the oil. They don't check the fluids and they blow them up and I get to sell them a new engine. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but people just don't do it. You know, the, the old thing of checking your oil now and then, right? Knowing how to check the air in your tires, knowing how, you know, just simple, simple maintenance things. Um, I think it would be the number one is have a maintenance schedule if you don't put one together. And I think the number two is, you know what, become friends with a mechanic. Make sure you have a local. F- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm a stickler for that. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to resources, I'm going to start the lead here with carparts.com. There's an excellent resource for you. Is there another go-to, though, that you find yourself going to? This could be an app you use a lot. It could be a supplier. It could be even a person in your life. You know, for for automotive, I you know, look, Google's fantastic, right? There's videos for everything. Man, I've been educated on anything I ever want to know. And normally, if I ask my kids something, they tell me to Google it. Yeah, so, so does my son, and he works for Google. <laughs> you know, the the internet. But you know, from a from an educational point of view, definitely, you know, YouTube and so on, as far as videos and educating myself on on different things. As far as from a professional point of view. I think that LinkedIn is underestimated and underutilized. It's been something I've used for my, you know, since it's existed. And, I, you know, it's, again, a, a great way to network, a great way to be involved, a great way to put yourself out there to yeah. find people that are in other groups like you that are in different businesses, but possibly the same interests. Uh, definitely, I think uh, LinkedIn is probably one of my best resources that online as far as educating myself behind just what I can get a hold of. And as far as finding people that I want to talk to, that would definitely do better for me and business and and possibly opportunities. Absolutely. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think others would glean a lot of information from? You know, I haven't read a I haven't read a lot of books lately. I've kind of gone down the podcast thing. Oh, um, well, that's I, good. I, it's good for people like me. <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, not not to not to uh, dump a bunch of uh, uh, competitors on there, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, uh, I definitely you know I, I listen to the Smoking Tire. It's one of my you know I, it's 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 very educational. It gives me a lot of insight information. Um, you know, I listen to the Motor Trend type, and I'm not like yeah, I'm not plugging anybody, but that's kind of uh, uh, I try to follow. Pop- podcast as far as books are concerned. The last book that I really got into, and this is going to be crazy because people's going to think I'm crazy, was uh, Game of Thrones. I decided to read the books before actually watching it. And uh, so that took a while. If you have ever seen the book series, it's a beast. So uh, and and obviously uh, I didn't have as much time. I used to do that when I was traveling a lot more globally. But in the last year and a half with, you know, the the reduced traveling time, uh, I've kind of stuck myself more into uh, uh, home things and and projects rather than um, with with the people around me and shared podcasts. I've been doing a lot of teams or or like Skype with with family members where we'll actually do a podcast or watch a show or something together in different countries. So that's and and then, you know, talk about it afterwards. So that's that's been an enjoyable 
enjoyable way of, of sharing a story, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great idea. Let's take another very short break for another advertiser. and we come back, we're up to the checkered flag. So sit tight. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. All right, Dave, we are up to what I call the checkered flag. Today, I'm going to buy you a very cool car, a collector car, something really special to park in your garage. Not a daily driver, but not a garage queen. I wanted to check every box, something that you will use and you will enjoy. What can I park in your garage today, Dave? Probably a Land Cruiser. A Land Cruiser. Okay. Well, I mentioned at the beginning of our talk that you're restoring a camper or a motorhome. Is that right right now? You know, I'm not restoring it. With with the changes in our country, uh, last year, you know, me and my wife, uh, I was up for another new car, and uh, my old one was, uh, was the lease was up. And when the lease went up, I decided instead of a car, we actually did buy an overlanding motorhome. Okay. And we spent at least five months of last year in quarantine living in the motorhome. I would work during the day, and we would go travel through Utah, or we traveled, you know, across the country actually seven times. Wow. Working from the motorhome and seeing different parts of the country, staying within our environment, within the motorhome, And kind of my wife found all the, the spots across the country. You can just park and, you know, go off the grid. And, um, that's actually been extremely enjoyable. And we're, we're hoping when things get a little bit more open, we can actually share that, uh, that, that experience with our, uh, with our adult kids and the rest of our family. Cause we enjoy that a lot. So I'm kind of on the off road kick right now. So with the motorhome, we're starting to look at what toys we can add to it over the, <laughs> over the next uh, period of time and, uh, maybe less, uh, street speed and a little bit more off road speed, I think is in my future. So is that why when I mention uh, buying you something cool, a Land Cruiser kind of fits that part of that picture of that new lifestyle? I think that would be cool. I think restoring a Land Cruiser would be fun. It's probably something I, I plan on doing in the future. And I think afterwards, you know, I'd probably modernize it enough to where I could tow it with me. And wherever I go, I, I can uh, get there with the RV and then get around with the Land Cruiser. I think that would be a uh, an optimal uh, way to, to, to spend my days. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I think this is the way to do this. I have a past guest here and a friend of mine who owns a company called Icon. And Icon, Jonathan Ward, they build some of the coolest, most awesome oh, yeah. land. If you know, do you know Icon? Do you know Jonathan? Oh, yeah. very much. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There you Fan- go. Fantastic. Re- yeah. If, yeah. I, if I was going to buy one already done, that would be what I bought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, since I'm buying for you, I'll, I'll, I'll pop for the $250,000 check here. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. You know, this is a trend I see happening. I have friends in my age group that uh, are buying very cool travel trailers and nice tow rigs like Porsche Cayennes and things like that. And they're going off-road. Another friend who's had one of those sprinters converted into a custom off-road vehicle and then he's towing 
having a, a classic old Porsche that's been built into a four by four kind of a Dakar racer. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and they were all set up so they can work off the grid, but they're still connected. Uh, they can still do some work. So yeah, this uh, one of the positive things I think COVID has done is let us all or force us all to rethink our lives a bit and what's important to us and getting away in this country. Oh my gosh, there's so much to see in this country. It's incredible. So uh, I like that very much. I'll get to work. What color you want that Land Cruiser to be? Um, probably sand. Sand. Oh, kind of blend in. <laughs> Let it blend in. Yeah. I, okay. I think, you know, may, maybe even camouflage it. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know. I like that. I like that better. Okay. We'll have some fun with that. Cool. All sorts of things you can do with wraps these days. Dave, you have taken me on a very fun ride today, my friend. This has been great. I want to thank you for sharing not only your business and your life, but your outlook on this uh, EV thing that we're all having to think forward about. What's it going to be, the next car? Will it be an EV? Very interesting ideas you brought forward. Before I let you go, though, could you offer me one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off into the country in that Land Cruiser? You know, the advice I'd give anybody that, if you know, if you're an automotive enthusiast, then do your research. Make sure that, number one, whatever you're buying is what you're getting is what you're getting. The internet can be full of all kinds of deals and opportunities and things. You know, focus on educating yourself between the products and the and who's supplying them and, and how you're getting them. I think that the online world, again, can just be full of so much information. And what I what I would tend to, to, to give advice to anybody is, you know, find a supplier that you can trust that's not that's going to be transparent, that's going to tell you exactly how it is. And, and you can walk that anything you do with them, actually, they do. And it's not just something that's just part of what they do. Yeah. And I think that the other part of advice I would give is if you're not currently in the DIY world, but you're interested, right? You're thinking, hey, this is something, then, you know, the best way to start is start. Change your windshield wipers, change your cabin air filter, do a few of the easier things first, then you'll find a lot more maintenance type work is something that not only is easy to do at home, but, you know, I kind of find it enjoyable on a Sunday afternoon with some, you know, rather than cutting the grass. So yep. <laughs> that's, that's the advice I'd give. Well, it's perfect. And if you want to find the right place to find these parts, carparts.com is the place to go. I'll put a link to that, but it's very easy to find, of course, carparts.com. Go and check them out. I'd like to thank uh, Ellie Thompson of uh, K Global Public Relations. Uh, She's the one that introduced me to David. So Ellie, nice job. Thank you for uh, bringing David and I together, two car guys that are now friends. Dave, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences and wisdom. Before you and I talk again, I'll see you Maybe down a dirty, dusty road. (laughs) Sounds great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Hey, fellow inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Did you know if you subscribe at carsdad.com, I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's an e-book filled with fuel, filler fun, and inspirational quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get a weekly wrap-up email from me every Friday, and your name will be in the hat for one of the many free giveaways here at Cars Yeah. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button, and boom, you're in the club. And don't forget to subscribe to Cars Yeah on your mobile podcast app, and you'll get the Cars Yeah show delivered right to your mobile device every day, absolutely free. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's what we're all about. Here at Cars Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!